Welcome to The Mind Killer. We have a bonus episode for you today. Uh, and as always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm David. And I'm Michael. All right. Today, we are going to be expanding on Inyash's troop deployment from earlier this week about J.K. Rowling and her statement on uh, her thoughts about trans... Um, I don't even know what you'd call it. Trans issues? Yes, but real quick, I, I heard a mysterious fourth voice between David and you starting up again. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> what is going on? We have here with us today uh, our friend April from the the Beijing Conspiracy Discord. Hello. And um, also the Metamore sort of podcasty thing. Sort of podcasty thing. <laughs> well, it doesn't have a dedicated feed of its own, which is... I think which is what makes the cast part of the podcast, but it's still out there a lot, and we link to it often. I mean, it is being broadcasted in some sense. That's true. Right. Well, since it's, since we're talking about it, why don't you put in a plug for it? So, We Want More is a podcast which uh, covers Brian reading through the Harry Potter fanfiction, Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, um, and Metamore. Is that, except instead we're covering We Want More. <laughs> it's sort of stupidly meta, thus the name. Uh, yeah, I have to say, it kind of offends my aesthetic sensibilities in a way that I can't really put my finger on that Metamore exists. <laughs> but I'm glad you guys are having fun with it, I guess. It's great times. I, I think I have the exact opposite reaction. <laughs> and there isn't there... Is it somebody actually do more meta? There is there one is... episode. Yeah, There's okay. one episode of it. Of, I don't uh, know. If that's another. That's another a... podcast in the infinite recursion of podcasts that is commenting on Metamore. Yes. Although David, considering your love for the stupid, crazy, over the topness of 40k, I would have thought this wouldn't offend your sensibilities quite so much. I wouldn't have thought it would offend my sensibilities quite so much either. But it does. Okay. <laughs> no accounting for taste. As we all know, being good rationalists here, all infinite recursions are at most three layers deep, so we need to go ahead and get on meta-meta-more just so we can fill out the infinity. No, no, no. We already have three. We want more already counts since it's commenting on a work of fan fiction. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so yeah, we already I have three. It's uh... fine. Yeah, I thought of uh, we want more as the first layer instead of. Oh no, it's layer uh, three. That's rationality itself, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that makes sense. You got. You, I'd you... argue that metamor is layer four. Yeah. I would argue that the fact that literature exists is the base layer. <laughs> All right. Well, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to be serious here, Enion. Oh God. shit. <laughs> Yeah, I, right. I guess maybe that's why it offends my sensibilities so much, because it's a uh, fourth layer when all infinite recursions are at most three layers deep. That makes sense. We have sinned, and I mean, we will we will do penance later. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean. It's supposed to make sense. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is all appropriate for today's discussion, because we are going to be commenting on J.K. Rowling. And uh, her tweets and statement that she put out that if you listen to our last episode, uh, Eniash discussed in his troop deployment. And we asked April 
to come on with us today um, because she is a trans woman. And April, we're not uh, we're definitely not asking you to be like a spokesperson for trans people because that would be stupid. We're just interested in your you know personal opinions, um, speaking only for yourself. Um, but we did want to have some perspectives on that we're not just three cis dudes. That makes sense. Okay. I don't uh, think I would necessarily be a great spokesperson for the trans community as whole anyways, because it's not like I'm particularly leftist or anything. I mean, I guess I'm more leftist than rightist, but... Is the trans community as a whole particularly leftist, or is that just the Twitter trends? I, maybe it is just the Twitter trends, I don't know. I mean, I don't have statistics <laughs> on hand. Yeah, it, it seems like there are a, uh, a lot more prominent like conservative trans people than uh like any other like marginalized communities that i can think of offhand also rationalists like i can think yes true uh but i can think of like three conservative trans people and like maybe one conservative gay person and maybe one conservative black person. Is it Lindsey Graham? Of <laughs> <laughs> Is the... One out of the closet gay. And out of the closet black. Now, are these people that you... I'm sorry. <laughs> are these people that you uh, personally not... know, or that, like, in the broader society? So, I do actually know the um, uh, black conservative, but it's just people I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, because I always um, think of, like, Clarence you, Thomas first. Are you forgetting about Herman Cain? I am forgetting about Herman Cain. <laughs> How could you because, forget about Herman Cain? Because he's not a very memorable person. <laughs> I, I disagree. Anyway, shall we get canceled? Let's. Yeah, let's go for it. And, uh, <laughs> Eniash, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. Okay. Since sure, this was your comment. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, all right. I covered, I'm not going to restate what I said uh, in the last episode unless you think I should. Um, I think just give a basic overview of what your opinion – well, like what happened and what your opinion is currently. Okay. Uh, so what happened is that um, for a while, J.K. Rowling has been pushing back against the the feeling that feminism has to be very much about uh, – she seems to have the impression that there is a lot of push for feminism to center a lot of its energy on trans women. And she thinks that this is not the correct course of action, that it's almost like a hijacking of feminism. And she said that once or twice, and as a result has been called a transphobe. I won't say she said that in those exact words. She's insinuated those sorts of things a few times, and she's been called a transphobe. And recently she posted a tweet about how we used to have a word that meant people who menstruate and now we don't in a lot of society and thought that she thought that was dumb and she got canceled for that. And my main contention is that I saw a lot of people that I know, not necessarily friends, although maybe sort of in the friend zone, somewhere between friends and acquaintance, like basically saying, um, uh, J.K. Rowling is evil. I hate her now. Uh, it's it's. I can't support anything of her anymore. Peace out, bitch. Uh, they didn't say bitch because they're not bad like that. J. 
just peace out, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was my own uh, hyperbolization, which I should not have done. Um, and my opinion is that J.K. Rowling is not the paragon of all that is good and right. She is wrong in a, a, a number of ways in this situation. However, I don't think that she is actually transphobic. And I think saying um, you're evil and you should be shunned does a lot more harm, not not just to her, like she's a billionaire, whatever, even though I'm sure this is emotionally damaging to her, but like a lot of harm to uh, the people in general and the leftist cause in general uh, to say, to, to cancel someone and attack them like that. In specific, I think that she is not necessarily wrong that feminism should center uh, on the on the traditional focus of of defending women against men in a patriarchal society. And uh, I'm going I'm to leave it at that. But that she's not entirely wrong about that. And that while she has some valid points, she also has some wrong points. And this is not something to to throw someone out into the outer darkness for. All right. Yeah, Opinions so, from anyone else? So uh, I'm going to go sort of point-counterpoint. Um on this, because I, in some ways, I'm sympathetic to Inyash's position, and in some ways, I'm not. Uh, so the way I'm sympathetic is just in general. I think ca- uh, cancel culture is pretty terrible, uh, and I'd refer people to Contrapoints's uh, video from I want to say December 2019 on the subject. Um, it's very, very good, uh, and. It, I think it captures a lot of my problems with cancel culture uh, and basically like the pattern she discusses where uh, you go from something bad that someone says or does and then you uh, say that that is an integral part of who they are um, and then uh, because of that, they must be shunned because that can't be changed, and uh, they're also contagious, and anyone else who uh, does something or who associates with them must also be shunned. Um, I, I think that's definitely a pattern that exists in cancel culture, and it's very bad. Uh, and I definitely see a lot of that here, where people go from saying J.K. Rowling said transphobic things to J.K. Rowling is a turf and therefore cast her into the outer darkness, etc. So in that sense, I agree. But I I think that like on that meta level, I agree. But on the object level, I actually think J.K. Rowling is completely wrong about this. And the so there's two big reasons why the first reason is i don't actually think our society is all that patriarchal anymore like sure there's definitely some problems but in a lot of ways i think modern feminism is a solution in search of a problem um and like the remaining um, vestiges of patriarchy that there are in our society will just be 
they'll just kind of like naturally go away as our society finishes with the growing pains of having women entering the workforce, leaving the household, etc., etc. And as for the uh, point that Inyash brought up about needing to worry about women's safety, if the issue is, like, I think this came up during the main episode, but not right now. Like, if the issue is we're worried about men, cis men, intruding on women's spaces under the pretense that they're um, trans women or otherwise abusing norms around, like, uh, unisex bathrooms or that sort of thing, uh, like, there's a known solution to that sort of problem. There, There is a, a known technology that will allow those scales to balance that doesn't require imposing on trans people. You can just buy a gun. <laughs> and, like... Honestly, I see the, I see the women's safety issue as is in a lot of ways a solved problem, and we just don't want to talk about how it's a solved problem because women's safety is a leftist issue, but just by a gun is a rightist issue, and so no one notices that the second is the obvious solution to the to the first. That is an interesting take. <laughs> I have not heard that suggestion before, but I mean, it should work. I don't. I don't think it's like a cure-all suggestion, but I think it's definitely a big step in the right place. And I know a few women who do carry guns, and I'm very proud to know them. All right. Well, I um, I disagree with both of those takes. Oh, good. <laughs> um, uh, David, I do not think that feminism is a solved issue. Um, I think there are a lot of vestiges of patriarchy still uh, kicking around our culture in all kinds of insidious ways. Um, I don't think that the modern feminist movement is particularly good at confronting or solving those problems, uh, but I think the problems are real. Yeah, I, I should clarify. When I said that, uh, solu that feminism was a solution in search of a problem i meant basically what you just said like there are problems facing women um but modern feminism is not good at handling those problems okay um that was my main source of disagreement um but i'd like to go into a little bit of what J.K. Rowling actually said. Because when I read her blog posts that she put up, what really struck me is that she, um, I, I think I said on the, the last episode that I didn't think she was necessarily a transphobe. But I reread what she said, and it, she really does strike me as afraid of trans people, um, and specifically trans women. Um, and And specifically trans women coming into women's bathrooms and dressing rooms. Um, and David, you mentioned this. And I this just strikes me as a thing that is not a problem 
in any kind of uh, large numbers or any any amount that would justify um, the discrimination against trans people that she's advocating. And again, if it is a problem, or in those rare cases where it is a problem, there's a solution that doesn't involve hurting trans people. Well, <laughs> that's... I don't think buy a gun is a good answer. Um... Because I don't, I think there are many reasons people don't want to carry guns, and there are, those are good reasons. And also, J.K. Rowling lives in the U.K. and it's a lot harder to get guns there. But that's really a lesser point. Mostly, it's that lots of people don't want to carry guns. Also, the uh, primary solution a gun offers you is threaten someone with death or actually attempt to inflict death upon them. And sometimes you don't want to go quite that far in a particular problem you're having. I mean, sure, but if I mean, if things aren't bad enough that uh, pointed a gun that may or may not even be loaded and may or may not even have the safety off isn't a proportionate solution, then I don't think it's a problem that's bad enough that systemically discriminating against trans people is a, is a good solution either. Oh, yes. Well, I I absolutely agree that there should not be systemic Systemic racism against trans people, or not racism, but, um, you know. I, I want to agree with Wes right here that I think J.K. Rowling does seem uh, afraid specifically of trans women in women's bathrooms. And there is a way to read her where that is not uh, what she is saying. Although, to be perfectly honest, from a fair reading, I think she is afraid of that. And I think that is more of a education uh, situation because one can point out to her uh, that this simply isn't an issue just from the data. Like, this doesn't happen. And quite honestly, trans women also need women's bathrooms as safe spaces because they are harassed even more than cis women are. By yeah, and I would argue that they need them more than cis women. Yeah. Mm. Um, April, ah. did, you, did you read... Uh, J.K. Rowling's statement. Yeah, I, I read it today in preparation for this episode, and I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I, I don't... She gets a lot of things wrong. I think that's pretty clear. Like, a lot of the statements that she makes are just factually wrong or are focusing on the wrong things, but I don't think anything she said is, like, indicates that she is evil or anything. She's just badly mistaken about a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, I also don't think she's evil. And Eniash, I agree with your point about cancel culture. And I, I really would like to move away from this sort of hyperbole we get into where anyone who does something wrong or bad, we have to scream as loud as we can about how terrible they are um, instead of just saying, well, I don't think that's right, and here's why. Um, so one of the reasons I like the rationalist community is that that's how we tend to respond to people that are wrong with, you know, a sort of dispassionate argument about why they're wrong. And I wish that, you know, more of society would adopt that approach. That is the ideal. Yeah. That's, I think that's the main reason I will sometimes post on my blog or reply to my friends on Facebook with this sort of thing. And then subsequently, you know, lose a lot of social capital is because I am trying to get people to stop doing that. And 
I figured the only way you can do that is by, you know, modeling it and pushing back on the more extreme reactions sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think J.K. Rowling is literally Hitler or <laughs> whatever people are saying. Um, but I also agree with April that there's a lot wrong in what she said. Um, the thing about, you know, bathrooms and dressing rooms, I said before, there's also that she seems to think that having women as a political class exclusive of trans women is somehow important. And I don't really understand why she thinks that. Um, I understand that, you know, advocating for women's welfare and women's rights is an important thing that people do politically, but I don't understand why she would not want trans women to be part of that political class. I get the impression that she doesn't mind if trans women are protected as well under the feminist cloak, but that it shouldn't be centered around them because the experience of, of people who are born women and go through that their entire lives tends to be rather different from people who transition later in life. Uh, it, a, a lot in how they are raised as children and how they're socialized is drastically different and therefore leads to both different outcomes and different political interests, maybe? I mean, that's yeah, I'm not entirely wrong. <laughs> I don't know if that's, like, all that important, but it's, like, correct. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess I just don't understand where the political divergence really comes in. Now, I have seen some complaints um, from cis women that... Uh, about how everything needs to be trans-inclusive, um, that women aren't allowed to, you know, for instance, wear pussy hats to the Women's March um, because that is exclusive of trans people. Or they're not allowed to refer to things about their biology as a um, rallying point which I think are reasonable complaints, but not really not really big enough issues to talk about having a political coalition. I'm not sure I agree. Like if you if you can have a political coalition over the fact that your your skin looks different enough that people can tell you're a different ethnicity, then uh having your body be different enough that people can tell you're a different sex is also a thing that a whole group can coalesce around. Like, I mean, I can understand wearing a pussy hat because uh, it's a thing that almost all women have in common, the vast majority of them. And also importantly, uh, one of the fears, one of the large fears uh, of women is that if they are raped, they could become pregnant. And that is a massive life-altering event. Yeah, there's certainly political concerns that biological women, for, a bit, for a lack of a better term, um, and actually one of the points that J.K. Rowling made that I agree with was that we don't really have any non-dehumanizing terms um, for people who are traditionally female-bodied. Is uh, AFAB problematic now? It's not problematic. It's just like it, it feels like we're talking about the assignments rather than like the physical reality of their bodies, which makes it seem like a weird term to me. Like, you could assign – it's a social yeah. process rather yeah. than something biological. Yeah, but, like, 
thinking about it from like the uh, Slate Star Codex, rest in peace. Um, man is made, or categories are made for man, not man for the categories. Like, is it important that we have a word in common parlance for AFAB people? Yeah, like, I... it seems like it's only really important for like some specialist doctors and maybe possibly some uh some people who like are high enough in corporations to decide what sort of bathrooms they have. I like I don't see the need for it in just day-to-day English. I feel for... like we need to use it would be useful to have a word like that in this conversation. I mean, sure, but this is a meta conversation about, like, why we... I agree, but that's because this conversation is... I'm having trouble articulating exactly (laughs) what my thought process is. This isn't a normal conversation. I think Dave is trying to say this is a bad conversation we shouldn't be having. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I mean, I'm, I'm... still unconvinced that my just give everyone gun solution and then let them figure their own deal out isn't gonna solve all our problems but i guess some people think guns are icky for some reason because they involve murder or at least like killing in self-defense I mean, only if you want to, or are careless. Like, I don't think we should just give them to literally everyone, even if I might have just said that because I was being snarky. Like, I think, like, if everyone who was of sound mind got concealed carry training and permits, and then got guns, I think there would be a lot less crime. Like, I against women specifically and just in general because like it's a it's a very salient risk that of the sort that criminals would take into account when they're trying to decide whether or not to do crimes well sure david but if you are at a job and your boss grabs your ass and says hey baby i bet you want some of me inside you are you going to menace him with your gun? Like, how does your gun solve that situation? Uh, it solves the situation by uh, my boss, before he does that, thinking, you know, it's not likely, but it's possible that if I do this, I might die. And, yeah, I, like, I, that, like, that, so, something I hear a lot from women is that, like, they tend to be they act like skittish around men because even if there's just a small chance that the particular man they're interacting with is a rapist or a murderer or whatever, it's still enough to make them worried. And in the ideal society, no one would be worried about anyone. But the costs of being worried in that way seem... Uh, small enough that I'm okay not making the best the enemy of the good and saying that everyone should be worried about everyone. Yeah, I think David saying women should be worried about men. I think David has a point here, and that 
a lot of the poor treatment of women by men is predicated on the idea in men's minds that they can physically overpower women. Uh, and if things were the other way around, you would probably see a lot of different treatment. Um, if it did become common that women could inflict deadly force anytime they chose to, I think that would change our interactions a lot. Um, I still don't think that's a good idea because uh, for just probably dozens of reasons, <laughs> but mostly that, you know, when you add more guns into a situation, you get more shootings, and I don't want that. Yeah, but the question the question is whether you want it more or less than you want the reduction in harassment, which is, to a certain extent, an empirical question that we don't have any special insight into. But, like, there is a trade-off there. Like, a, a, a better armed society, I strongly expect, would be a less harassing society. Sure. The problem is that anyone who wants a gun, in America anyway, can pretty much get one. So everyone who wants a gun already has one. Yeah, that so, seems so to be I, that people don't want them. I agree, but I think that's mostly because like people have tribal affiliations which lead them to think guns are icky. Like, I think, like, Sure, a, a really good solution to police brutality would be um, eliminating qualified immunity, but I think also just having a lot more legally permitted people of color carrying uh, legal concealed weapons would probably help to some extent, because, like, it, the the immunity police feel they have from consequences isn't just legal. It's also that, like, they are probably pretty confident that most people won't be capable of using deadly force to defend themselves against them. And I think there's a similar situation here. I think that's a great simplification. Like, a lot of the power comes from the, the knowledge that even if you are injured or even killed, you have this great uh, force at your back that is going to avenge you or uh, take care of you that uh, the other side doesn't have. Like, the institutional power is a big deal. And I want to point out that there's a lot of heavily armed places both in the world and just even within the U.S., and they don't seem to have much of an effect on overall politeness in those areas, either in the positive or the negative, and also that we're getting way off track. All right, what were we talking about? Trans people? <laughs> and why don't they all have lots of guns? Yeah, so April, you're a trans lady. Why don't you have guns? Because <laughs> uh, I'm a minor. Oh, so well, I cannot that's... purchase a gun? Well, that's not a very good reason. <laughs> yeah, this is America. Put some effort into it. <laughs> They're also really looked down upon in schools. Yeah, I don't think I could bring a gun to school. Well, I mean, I'm physically capable of it, but... Also, in general, teenagers are just way too hormonal and emotional. Teenagers shouldn't have access to guns. They'd use them in cases where it's not warranted. With the exception of our current co-host, of course. I, I'm the only exception. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you get them young and start training them to take guns seriously, then uh, it wouldn't be as much of a problem. But again, very far afield. I, I mean, I don't think you'd need to restrict literally every teenager from having a gun, but I think the rate of not being fit to have a gun is much higher. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, back to the topic at hand. Yes. Uh, Ineash, your original comment here was J.K. Rowling did nothing wrong. Sort of. Uh, sort of. <laughs> I um, think that's just completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree that that is completely wrong. It was more in the veins of, you know, the Taylor did nothing wrong sort of things where it's quite obviously that some things were done wrong, but uh, stepping forward to the defense because I felt I had to in this case, which, I don't know, it sounds dumb to say that of, like, a powerful billionaire, but whatever. Well, I think it is important to push back against cancel culture in these circumstances because it's not about the power the powerful billionaire it's about everyone watching who might have similar views who now will not express them um for fear of getting the same treatment or who might be pushed into uh, more rightist hands by by seeing this because that's the only place where they feel they could talk about these things yeah the well the what what the world seems to be saying about J.K. Rowling is if you hold views like this, you know, you don't belong and in lefty spaces, and I am afraid that people are going to get that message. All right. I was a hardcore feminist until I was kicked out of feminism for thinking that cultural appropriation isn't really a thing when it comes to magic. What? <laughs> <laughs> So, I, for for mo all of my life, up until a few years ago, I was a very staunch feminist, and I still consider myself in that camp emotionally, but uh, some one of my friends was talking about um, Feng Shui and how, like, this horrible Karen hired a white person to Feng Shui her apartment instead of, like, an, an original practitioner from the correct race. And I was like, what are you even talking about? Feng Shui is like... Either it's a visual aesthetic, which anyone can learn, or it's racial magic, which I don't believe in and you're weird. And they're like, well, fuck you, get the fuck out of our society. And uh, after that, I wasn't a feminist anymore. So that's kind of sucked. Yeah, I imagine the rest of uh, the, the society took your opponent's side in that one. Yeah, mostly. Mm. I mean, it wasn't completely clear cut, but uh, there was a definite number of... Uh, contacts and acquaintances that shunned me after that yeah and now you're hanging out with anarcho-capitalists you see how it happened exactly one more step and i'll be in the intellectual dark web or some shit hey man according to reddit we're already there oh okay well one more step and i'll be hanging out with the alt-right i guess so well it was nice knowing you i know but wouldn't we have to be the people to shun Iniash? i don't see that happening oh yeah okay i feel much better see this is why i like this society you're just saying that because he runs the Discord where we all hang out. <laughs> if I was shunned by everyone, I would not shut down the Discord. I would just leave and give someone else the keys. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very noble of you. But I I like the idea of you just there by yourself. <laughs> You're like, hey, I saw this cool article today. <laughs> yeah. Pretty neat, right? Guys? I could give myself all the like reacts. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So is there anything else you guys wanted to cover with this? Uh, I think you pulled, like, some tweets and uh, you had some things from her blog to talk about. Um, Yeah, she, I mean, she has a number of things that she says that I think are... I mean, like, it, it's not it's not concerning. a bad idea to point out some of the things she says that really are uh, bad. 
Um, like not bad in the sense of she's a morally bad person, but in the sense of this no, no, is. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking for the the quotes I have. I mean, she says we're living through the most misogynistic period I've ever experienced, which you know I can't speak to her personal experience, but that seems really questionable to me. Uh, um, and I think what? Steven Pinker would have uh, lots of opinions about that. You know what? I actually am comfortable speaking for her personal experience here. That is no. Like Yeah, probably not. <laughs> no. I agree. I mean, is she just making that up though? Like she has a reason to think that. The reason she thinks that is because she's lived in a communist echo chamber for her entire life. And that's the thing to think in communist echo chambers. It could be that. It could be that now she is, like, hanging out with wealthy and powerful people, and in the past those tended to not be as bad as the rest of society, but now we have this very visible, very crass person leading the free world, whereas before at least they would pretend to have some class and not say they grabbed one by the pussy. So it might just be, like, her personal milieu. I don't know. I suspect that it may be that... In the 80s, which is when she references as things being better. Ew. Um, yeah, that women were considered a one of the the ones who had the most uh, oppression points. Oh. And recently, women have been asked to take a back seat to people of color and to trans people um, in a lot of contexts and. I feel like that's maybe what she's reacting to. Uh, she also mentions a porn-saturated online culture. That's a that's a big thing with uh, yeah. feminists from the 80s and early yeah. 90s. Yeah, honestly, that's that's the like if I were on the J.K. Rowling is a turf train, that would be one of the things that cinched it for me because there's such a huge overlap uh, between. Turfs and swerfs, uh, sex work exclusionary radical feminists, mm. and like the the whole uh, porn is destroying our society. Like if it's not coming from like religious people, then odds are really good that it's coming from a swerf. Again, I don't like the whole like this is an immutable part of your inherent being. Uh, aspect of that way of framing it, but that's mm, that's a real bad take. I mean, I don't think she actually is sex worker exclusionary or anything, though, because, like, she says... I mean... She says trans women who work in the sex industry, particularly trans women of color, are at particular risk, which does not sound like the kind of thing that a swerf would say to me. I mean, it kind of does, though. Because the like the the official party line of Swerfs is that uh, sex work hurts sex workers and therefore it's bad. Hmm. That's true. They do say Maybe, that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that is the case then. Um. I mean, I think I so I think I pulled out most of what I had an issue with in what J.K. Rowling was saying. I guess, Inyash, did you have anything else you wanted to add just about how the official discourse is treating um, trans issues or or 
language policing or anything like that? I'm already on the record as saying that I think um, they, them, they, them pronouns are kind of dumb. But like in general, language policing just annoys me. I can understand the frustration, right? And you know what? Languages evolve. It's just shit we got to get used to and start saying people who menstruate or AFAB or wait for some new term to come up to fill that hole. But I can understand being, be, people being annoyed by it. I've, I've generally always been annoyed by language policing because it feels to me very much like an attempt to assert dominance over people when they are not allowed to use words that they used to have. Well, so one of the things J.K. Rowling says um, that I didn't necessarily have a problem with was she says she's concerned about the huge explosion in young women wishing to transition. Um, and then increasing numbers who seem to be detransitioning. I tried to look up some numbers on this, and it was hard to find reliable information. But there do seem to be um, a, a very, very large increase in the amount of children and teenagers who, are, um, who consider themselves trans. And the, it did seem like the majority of those people – um, the gender dysphoria did not last into their adult years. Uh, but I don't know how reliable these studies were. So I don't want to really base anything on that. But I I think it is legitimate to be worried about um, social pressure on people to uh, consider themselves trans and, and that it's a, you know, the kids today – are uh, considering it like um, in certain uh, parts of the country anyway, are considering it a mark of social status. And this is something I'm I slightly concerned about because I have a new daughter. Um, and, you know, I don't know what I would do as a parent if if she came to me at age 10 or whatever and said she she wanted to transition to she considered herself a boy and wanted to transition. Um, and April, I'm, I am especially interested in your perspective here because you are a uh, young person who has transitioned. I, I mean, I wouldn't say I have transitioned yet because my parents aren't great, but <laughs> I present female online, I guess. So what um, what is that? What is it even considered to be transitioned? Like. There's different things. Like, there's obviously, like, presenting as female to people, which I do online, but not in real life. There is, okay. um, like, medical transitioning, I guess, would be the other main thing, where, like, hormones or surgery or whatever. Gotcha. Um, have you, what, what are your thoughts on the idea of, um, you know, social pressure to be trans or not. I have like a, not done enough research to personally to be confident speaking on this because it's such a politicized issue. But what I have heard um, from people who, again, like, they're part of the trans movement, so they might have reasons to be biased, is that most of these studies are done badly and that the way they're, like, 
often when you look at like people who have actually taken steps to transition rather than just like experienced some sort of quote unquote gender dysphoria is that almost all of them do end up uh, still feeling gender dysphoria into their adulthoods. Gotcha. And have you, I mean, have you personally experienced any like social pressure? I assume you've experienced social pressure to perform your gender you were assigned at birth. <laughs> um, that probably goes without saying. Um, um, but have you experienced any social pressure in the other direction? I mean, I have in the sense that like it would require effort to detransition online because people know me as a trans woman and that like I'd have to you know tell all of them that that is false but like I don't think that it's anything problematic obviously mm -hmm. okay I and also like a lot of what I've heard about detransitioning is that it's often or people who are transitioning is that it's due to transphobia more so than them not feeling gender dysphoria um, when people actually begin transitioning and then uh, untransition. Yeah, Again, I did see I did see a study that suggested that I think the number was sixty two percent of people who detransitioned uh, only did so temporarily. That seems like a plausible number to me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I had the same sense you did that these studies were probably not that reliable and not done that well. Again, like I haven't looked at them myself enough to say for sure that it's not just people trying to find an excuse to dismiss them. But mm -hmm. I, my inclination is that they're probably correct. They're not very good. Gotcha. All right. Did anyone else have uh, comments? I don't know. If if kids want to transition, I think let them transition. And if they want to detransition, let them detransition. I guess the only sticky factor in that is that it could in potentially uh, mess up their bodies and maybe their parents don't think they're ready to make that decision at their age but like there are bodies man we can use them for what we want and sometimes we do things with them that uh, aren't ideal but there are bodies to do with what we want to do with them so yeah I mean I think the real the difficult question is whether to take hormones before or during puberty um, because that's the thing that I, from what I hear anyway, causes permanent changes. Um, and you have to do it at an age where, you know, we don't really, children don't get to make a lot of decisions for themselves. So the pressure is always on the parents to, you know, are, are you going to allow this or aren't you? Yeah, I guess the, the fact that children aren't entirely competent to make decisions in some regards is a sticky factor here in general though i think if society didn't make it such a big deal about what sex you are or if you're non-conforming to to your gender or your sex then this wouldn't be as big of a deal like people who took hormones early and then detransitioned or whatever people who don't look like their gender uh 100 who cares like whatever they're people accept them for who they are the other thing about this is that you can just delay puberty using hormone blockers. You do not need to start the um, the other gender or the preferred gender, whatever, puberty immediately. Um, and I feel like if you are legitimately concerned about the harms caused by the other puberty, then you would 
be focusing on doing that instead of encouraging the uh, discouraging transitioning in general. And yeah, are puberty but, blockers uh, generally safe um, with you know with no like severe side effects or anything? My, I believe they usually are. Okay. Yeah, but the issue with puberty blockers is like, like sometimes uh, people who have dysphoria, like the dysphoria, goes away without them transitioning, and part of that's probably just like generally maturing and getting more life experience but probably also a lot of it is just like you're no longer going through puberty which is a horrific time psychologically socially and just biologically and and i see puberty blockers as kind of more kicking the can down the road than um actually like offering any concrete improvements over just like uh letting having children like encouraging children affirming them uh letting them ride out the biological train wreck that is human puberty and then after they have gone through puberty if they still still feel dysphoric then support them through a medical transition. I mean, that comes down to the empirical question of how often does puberty actually cause, like, how often do people stop feeling dysphoric after puberty? And I think that is very rare, because from what I have heard, which, again, comes from entirely, like, the trans movement, so I don't know how accurate it is, is that... Like, if someone is gender dysphoric and it doesn't last, it's usually only for a short period of time and they do not take any steps to transition the vast majority of the time. Yeah, my understanding is that um, a a significant number of people uh, experience dysphoria and very few of them uh, go on to actually transition. Again, it's hard to say exactly uh, what's going on there because there's a lot of social pressure to not transition and so on. So um, I I think that it's at least possible that um, that a lot of teenage dysphoria isn't a sign that um, that the child is transgender and uh, but. Like, that's just me spitballing based on what I vaguely remember from uh, doing a little bit of research a few years ago. And I'd want to do a lot more research before I, like, actually gave any advice to parents. Yeah, like I said, it's an empirical question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I agree with you know, what Enia said earlier about how if we just consider gender less important, um, all of these things would probably be much less of an issue. Um, and I, I support, um, I think they call it gender abolitionism, which is just, <laughs> you know, in our glorious transhumanist future, we won't even have the concept of gender. Cause, but that's just really a personal preference and probably not, from what I understand, um, a lot of people like gender and would rather have it. So It's really weird. I've It seems in my lifetime I've seen gender become much more important which is the 
opposite direction I thought things were going to go into when I was younger. Yeah, I've seen that too. Um, I think the 90s specifically were claiming that, you know, race and gender don't matter. And then, you know, around the turn of the millennium, everyone was kind of like, actually, they they do kind of matter because they have all these effects and you can't really fix society without focusing on these things specifically. Um, But I think that also had some unfortunate side effects of making uh, a person's race and gender and like whatever other categories um, we're discussing these days more salient. Mm -hmm. I'm personally kind of a fan of gender because it means I get to experience gender euphoria, which is (laughs) the opposite of gender dysphoria. I think a lot of trans people do not like gender because the dysphoria part is more salient to them. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, mo- most of the tr- most of the trans people I've spoken to actually are are fans of gender. Um, yeah. But that's you know, I mean, a if you didn't very really small care subset about, of people. Yeah, if you didn't care about gender very much, why would you bother transitioning? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I'm a fan of gender, but I have a lot of weird kinks. So like, <laughs> I, I, I I'm perfectly comfortable with the idea of being that guy in the glorious transhumanist future, and that doesn't make the transhumanist future seem any less glorious to me. All right, well, here's to hoping that being into gender is considered a kink in the future. <laughs> All right, anyone have anything else they wanted to say? I don't think so. Yeah, no, no I'm good. Yeah, All right. I think I've said everything I wanted to. Well, thanks for uh, listening to our final episode, listeners. <laughs> that that was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Oh, don't worry. Uh, I'm It'll sure someone worse. on Twitter will 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 pick out a quote. Okay. <laughs> who who watch who listens to this podcast? That is that kind of person. Lots and lots of people. We're very popular. <laughs> no, it's nobody. Our audience um, is huge. You biggest audience uh, there's ever been. I, I don't know who our audience is, but people come to me and they tell me, your audience, it's ginormous. I hear people talking about it. <laughs> There's this picture of our audience, and if you look at it, it's much bigger than Obama's audience. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So one thing I do want to mention before we are signing off, um, if you haven't heard, which if you're listening to this, you probably have, um, the New York Times is threatening to publish Scott Alexander. Uh, of Slate Star Codex's real name. And as a result, he has deleted his blog. Um, if you go to slatestarcodex.com, he has a post up explaining it. And I encourage everyone, uh, all, all six of our listeners, to um, click on the email address there for the email to the uh, technology editor at the New York Times and send her an email saying that you uh, prefer they do not publish Scott's full name. In private, I have said, fuck the New York Times. And honestly, I would much prefer a world without the New York Times than one without Slate Star Codex by a large degree. Uh, but if Definitely. you want if you want templates, Wes has uh, published his letter online. It is a very good letter, actually, and probably a great template. V. Moshkowitz has the best template, so yes. go look up Zvi's blog. Uh, all right, so that's it for this episode. Thanks for bearing with us, and we will be back in a week and a half with a regular with your regularly scheduled episode excellent thanks for joining us april uh, you're welcome it's been good thank you for having me <laughs>